6640. Your future lies in 6640. 66 books by 40 authors, and yet we now discover it's an integrated message system from outside our time domain. Welcome to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher is Chuck Missler, connecting the Bible to your life and the world around you. In today's study, Chuck completes his teaching on the book of Psalms, chapters 69 through 72. Uh, chapter 1, for he was numbered with us that he had obtained part of his ministry. Now this man purchased a field with the reward of his iniquity. And falling headlong, he burst asunder in the midst and all his bowels gushed out. Sorry if that's a little graphic. It doesn't seem graphic. You weren't paying attention. And it was known unto all the dwellers at Jerusalem in so much that that field is called in their proper tongue, uh, Akadelma, uh, which is to say the field of blood. For it is written in the book of the Psalms, Psalm 69, let, this, let his habitation be desolate and let no man dwell therein and his bishopric let another take. And uh, Okay, Peter, thank you. And moving on to the, the, the Psalm. For they persecute him whom thou hast smitten and they talk to the grief of those whom thou hast wounded. Add iniquity unto their iniquity. Let them not come into thy righteousness. Let them be blotted out of the book of the living and not be written with the righteous. Boy, boy. Now, we get a lot of confusion about books, by the way, and I'm not going to get into a whole study of this. Obviously, their books are plural. In Daniel chapter 7, when the books were open, it's plural, not just one. Revelation 20, verse 12, same thing. Books are open. There's more than one. We have book of life. No, there's more than that. There's the book of the living mentioned in Psalm 139 and here in Psalm 69. There's the book of life in the salvation sense that's alluded to in Revelation 13, 17, and 21. The book of life in the Lamb's book of life in the salvation sense. There's also a book of life that clearly deals with rewards. So it's a book of works in effect. Philippians 4, 3 and Revelation 3, 5 causes a lot of confusion. We won't unravel that confusion in this study, but be aware of the fact there is some confusion on those two issues. Continuing Psalm 69, but I am poor and sorrowful. Let thy salvation, O God, set me up on high. I will praise the name of God with a song and will magnify him with thanksgiving. This also shall please the Lord better than an ox or a bullock that hath horns or hoofs. The humble shall see this and be glad, and your heart shall live that seek God. You know, there's only two categories. Paul emphasizes in 1 Corinthians 1.18, the preaching of the cross is to them that perish foolishness, but unto us which are saved is the power of God. Everyone in this room is in one of two categories. If this all seems foolish, or it's of your salvation. You're in one category or the other. There's only two in the, in, in, as far as this goes. Let's continue Psalm 69. For the Lord heareth the poor and despiseth not his prisoners. Let the heaven and the earth praise him, the seas and every living thing that moveth therein. Wow, that's quite a bunch. Every living thing is going to praise God. That's interesting. Let me really think it through. For God will save Zion. Wow. I don't know how most churches deal with this verse. Because they don't believe in a literal kingdom of a literal millennium or the ro role of Israel in, in God's program. 
For God will save Zion, and he will build the cities of Judah, that they may dwell there and have it in possession, really. And that won't happen until in times the Gentiles be over, and they end with the Antichrist. The seed also of his servant shall inherit it, really. The seed also of his servant shall inherit it, and they that love his name shall dwell therein. Psalm 69, is that a handful? that fun? I think so. I don't want to close on this dark stuff. Let's contrast this one that endured for more than 30 years, this stigma. Let's find a, just, let's remind ourselves of what we learned back in Psalm 2, this cosmic war that's coming. It has four voices, the voice of the nations, the first three verses, the voice of the Father, the next few, the voice of the Son, and the voice of the Spirit. We have a, we have a dialogue, or really a trilogue, among the Trinity going on here. Let's start with the first three verses. Why do the heathen rage and the people imagine a vain thing? The kings of the earth set themselves, the rulers take counsel together against the Lord, and guess who else? Against his anointed. Oh, there's two of them. Saying, this is what they're saying. They're either, Let us break their bands asunder and cast away their cords from us. Really? How do the heathen try to cast away the bonds or cords or hindrances that God has ordained? Let's take a look at where did this all begin? In Acts chapter 4, when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? He's quoting Psalm 2 here. The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against Christ as Lord and against the Lord and against his Christ for a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate, and the Gentiles and the people of Israel were gathered together. And so it goes, right? So that's the first three verses. Let us break their bands, etc. How do they break their What kind of bands are we talking about? Marriage. God ordained marriage. What are the heathen trying to unravel? Marriage. Our culture is trying to unravel by, by heterosexuality. Heterosexuality is the bonds that was put there. Homosexuality is the rebuttal to that. What other bands? The Ten Commandments. That's not for us. And they're in our courtrooms. Get them off. The judge. More, anyway. The rule of law. That's the only thing we're, that's our allegiance to in this country is the rule of law. Not anymore. Not anymore. Not with corrupt judges. Not with no accountability to our elected officials. Okay, let's move to the next one. The voice of the Father, the next uh, three verses. He that sitteth in the heavens shall laugh. That's God's reaction, all this. The Lord shall have them in derision. Then shall he speak unto them in his wrath and vex them in his sore displeasure. Yet have I set my king oh, upon the holy hill of Zion. And back in Isaiah, he says, I have not spoken in secret in a dark place of the earth. I have not said unto the sea of Jacob, Seek me in vain. I, the Lord, speak righteousness. I declare things that are right. Assemble yourselves and come. Draw near together, ye that are escaped of the nations. They have no knowledge that set up the wood of the graven image and pray unto a God that cannot save. Tell ye and bring them near. Yea, let them take counsel together. Who hath declared this from ancient time? Who hath told it from that time? Have not I, the Lord? And there is no God else beside me, a just God and a Savior. There is none beside me. Look unto me, and be ye saved, all the ends of the earth, for I am God, and there is none else. A Savior. God and what? A Savior. That's exciting. I have sworn by myself, the word has gone out of my mouth in righteousness, and shall not return. That unto me every knee shall bow, and every tongue shall swear. 
That's a lot. Every one. No, no exceptions. Surely shall one say in the, uh, in the Lord, Have I righteousness and strength? Even to him shall men come, and all that are incensed against him shall be ashamed. In the Lord shall all the seed of Israel be justified and shall glory. Wow, that's quite a statement. That unto me every knee shall bow. And of course, Paul echoes this in Philippians, in what's called the kenosis. Let this mind be in you, which is also in Christ Jesus, who being the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant, and was made in the likeness of men. You could even say deeper than that, because of what we learned from Psalm 69, moving on. And being found in the fashion as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient unto death, even the death of the cross, where the word excruciating comes from. Wherefore God also hath highly exalted him and given him a name which is above every name. That at the name of Yeshua, Jesus, every knee shall bow. Of things in heaven and things in the earth and things under the earth. And that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow. Boy, is that going to be a surprise to a lot of kids that called him illegitimate when he was a boy. I want to see the face, no I don't really, but on Dan Brown when he finds out the guy that he slandered in his novel, The Vinci Code, is in charge of the whole show. Let's go to the, the son as a response to all of this. I will declare the decree, the Lord has said unto me, Jesus speaking, thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. And that's what in Acts 13, God hath fulfilled the same unto us, their children, in that he hath raised up Jesus again, as it is also written in the second psalm, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten. This is where it's quoted in the book of Acts, messianically. Back to Psalm 2. I will declare the decree, the Lord hath said unto me, Thou art my son, this day have I begotten thee. Ask of me, and I shall give thee the heathen for thine inheritance, and the uttermost parts of the earth for thy possession. Thou shalt break them with a rod of iron, thou shalt dash them in pieces like a potter's vessel. Boy, a rod of iron. How often that comes up? Revelation chapter 2. He shall rule them with a rod of iron. As the vessels of the potter shall they be broken into shivers, even as I received of my father. This is Jesus speaking there in Revelation 2. Rod of iron. And later on in chapter 12, he brought forth the, the woman, Israel, brought forth a man child who was to rule all the nations with a rod of iron. Her child was caught up unto God and to his throne. That can be speaking of the ascension. It might be speaking of the rapture, probably both in some respects. Anyway. And Revelation concludes, this, this one that was called illegitimate for 30 years, out of his mouth goeth a sharp sword, that it, with it he should smite the nations, he shall rule them with a rod of iron, he treadeth the winepress of the fierceness of the wrath of Almighty God. We have no ability to imagine that kind of fierceness. And he hath on his vesture and on his thigh a name written, King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Rod of iron. Okay, and then it wraps up by the Holy Spirit in the last few verses. Be wise, therefore, O ye kings. Be instructed, ye judges of the earth. Serve the Lord with fear or awe. And rejoice with trembling. Kiss the Son, lest he be angry. And ye perish from the way when his wrath is kindled but a little. <laughs> Blessed are all they that put their trust in him. Whew. Well, okay, Psalm 69. Again, we don't have no idea what he endured for 30 years. He was raised in a town where he was called illegitimate, nor that you and I might have clear title to be called a legitimate son of God. He bore for me on the cross, paid for my penalty of my sins and yours too. Well, we can wrap up here. We have a little time left. We'll wrap up a couple more, and that finishes this, book of, this portion of the book of Psalms. In Psalm 70, which means to bring remembrance. 
And with minor changes, it's a duplicate of Psalm 40. These are slightly different title of God and so forth. But anyway, uh, Spurgeon um, said David made this excerpt as a fit pendant to Psalm 69, sort of an annex to Psalm 69, and a suitable preface, preface to Psalm 71. So he sees the sequence as relevant. Psalm of David. Make haste, O God, deliver me. Make haste to help me, O Lord. Let them be ashamed and confounded that seek me after my soul. Let them be turned backward, put to confusion that desire my hurt. Pretty much echoing the flavor of the previous psalm. Let them be turned back for a reward of their shame that say, Aha, aha. Let all those that seek thee rejoice and be glad in thee. Let such as love thy salvation say continually, Let God be magnified. But I am poor and needy. Make haste unto me, O God. Thou art my help and my deliverer. O Lord, make no tarrying. A little psalm. Same flavor, you get the picture. Let's look at Psalm 71. In thee, O Lord, do I put my trust. Let me never be put to confusion. That's a psalm that I need to cling to more often. Deliver me in thy righteousness and cause me to escape. Incline thine ear unto me and save me. There's no, notice there's no subscription here, so we don't know who wrote or what the, we, you know, we, it borrows from a number of other psalms. But whatever. The third verse, Be thou my strong habitation, whereunto I may continually resort. Thou hast given commandment to save me, for thou art my rock and my fortress. And uh, deliver me, O God, out of the hand of the wicked, out of the hand of the unrighteous and cruel man. For thou art my hope, O Lord God, thou art my trust from my youth. Interesting. By thee have I been holding up from the womb. Thou art he that took me out of my mother's bowels. My praise shall be continually of thee. I am as a wonder unto many, but thou art my strong refuge. Let my mouth be filled with thy praise and with thy honor all the day. Cast me not off in the time of old age. Forsake me not when my strength faileth. For mine enemies speak against me, and they that lay wait for my soul take counsel together. It sounds as if the, the psalmist here is a high-profile person. Uh, in his final years, it seems to be the flavor of the style of the thing, saying, God hath forsaken him, pursued, per, uh, persecute him, and take him, for there is none to deliver him. O God, be not far from me, O my God, make haste for my help. Let them be confounded and consumed that are adversaries to my soul. Let them be covered with reproach and dishonor that seek my hurt. This obviously can fit a number of situations here as we go. But I will hope continually and will yet praise thee more and more, and my mouth shall show forth thy righteousness and thy salvation all the day, for I know not the numbers thereof. I will go in the strength of the Lord God. I will make mention of thy righteousness, even of thine only. O God, thou hast taught me from my youth, and hitherto have I declared thy wondrous works. Now also when I am old and gray-headed, O God, forsake me not until I have showed thy strength to the, unto this generation and thy power to everyone that is to come. And uh, so, I can identify with the psalm. You know, it's a guy that's in the twilight of his youth. But I have to tell you candidly, I, I'm convinced God put me on this earth to accomplish certain things. And right now, I'm so far behind, I know I'll live forever. Okay? Yeah. Okay. So. Thy righteousness also, O God, is very high. Thou hast done great things. O God, who is like unto thee? Thou which has shown me great and sore troubles, shall quicken me again and shall bring me up again from the depths of the earth. Thou shalt increase thy greatness and comfort me on every side. See, verse 20 has the resurrection anticipated here, interestingly enough. Okay. Thou shalt quicken me again and shall bring me up from the depths of the earth. That sounds like a resurrection claim very analogous to the one in Job, right in Job 19. I will also praise thee with the psaltery, even thy truth, O my God. Unto thee will I sing with the harp, O thou Holy One of Israel. My lips shall greatly rejoice when I sing unto thee, and my soul which thou hast redeemed. 
My tongue also shall talk of thy righteousness all the day long, for they are confounded, for they are brought unto shame that seek my hurt. Boy. So there we are. Okay. Last one. This psalm concludes what's called book two, the so-called Exodus section. And uh, the, the, uh, the Exodus section concludes with the glory of God filling the tabernacle, if you will. And there's a prophetic psalm in which the Messiah himself establishes the, his glory on the earth. We're going to see here. So it seems to fit that model. It's a psalm for Solomon. It, the word, it could be for of Solomon. And uh, for reasons that I'll show you before we're finished, I think this was written by David for Solomon rather than by Solomon. Some people classify this as a Solomonic psalm. There are two such designations. In this case, I, I think it expressly says before we're through that David wrote it. So, okay. Makes more sense that way. Give the king thy judgments, O God, and thy righteousness unto the king's son. Okay. And um, so it's written by David for Solomon, the son, I believe. Anyway. And um, he shall judge the people with righteousness and they poor with judgment. We all know the story in 1 Kings 3 about how Solomon, God says, what would you like? He says, I'll take wisdom so I can be a better ruler. And God gives him wealth and that. So, uh, and he, start, he had a great start. And... Uh, you judge thy people with righteousness and they poor with judgment. It's too bad he didn't finish well. But anyway, the mountains shall bring peace to the people and the little hills by righteousness. So this is under the king's son. Let's keep that in mind. He shall judge the poor of the people. He shall save the children of the needy and shall break in pieces the oppressor. They shall fear thee as long as the sun and the moon endure throughout all generations. Boy, boy. He shall come down like rain upon the mown grass and showers that water the earth. And uh, see, the Lord, the Lord Jesus is the one that's going to rule righteously. So it's written for Solomon, but it really has its fulfillment in the messianic thing, where it's, indeed he's going to break in pieces, like it says in verse 4, with a rod of iron. In his days shall the righteous flourish and the abundance of peace so long as the moon endureth. Wow. Till, a moon, uh, till, till there be no moon is what it really says. That's going to be a long time, apparently. He shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from river to unto the ends of the earth. You know, God promised Abraham that he would give his descendants from the river of Egypt to the river Euphrates. That's in Genesis 15, 18. And he reaffirms that promise. He, he promised Abraham from the river of Egypt to the river Euphrates. In Genesis, they've never reached that far, by the way. And he reaffirms that promise through Moses in Exodus 23. Both David and Solomon ruled over great extent, but not that far. Not to the ends of the earth, certainly. And that final privilege, that'll be fulfilled in a son of David. The son of David. And that's in Psalm 2.8 we read in several other places. Very familiar passage. Let's continue Psalm 72. They that dwell in the wilderness shall bow before him, and his enemies shall lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and the isles shall bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba shall offer gifts. Yea, all the kings shall fall down before him. All the nations shall serve him. For he shall deliver the needy when he crieth. And this is all clearly a messianic reference. He shall spare the poor and needy and shall save the souls of the needy. He shall redeem their soul from deceit and violence. And precious shall their blood be in his sight. He shall live, and to him shall be given the gold of Sheba. A prayer also shall be made for him continually, and daily shall he be praised. In verse 14, we have the word redeem. That's the, that's a, that should reference you to a kinsman redeemer in the book of Ruth, uh, clearly, which is the, the, the uh, 
the designated model of that whole thing. There shall be a handful of corn in the earth upon the top of the mountains. The fruit thereof shall shake like Lebanon, and they of the city shall flourish like grass of the earth. His name shall endure forever. His name shall be continued as long as the sun. And men shall be blessed in him, and all nations shall call him blessed. All. This is not an Israel-limited thing. This is all the earth. All the earth. And uh, blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel. Now, by the way, these three verses are not part of Psalm 72. They are, in effect, a closing benediction on book two of the Psalms. That's the way it's regarded most scholars. It's a benediction that there's one of these at the end of each of the five books is the point. Blessed be the Lord God, the God of Israel, who only doeth wondrous things. And blessed be his glorious name forever. Let the whole earth be filled with his glory. Amen and amen. The prayers of David, the son of Jesse, are ended. And it's because this last designation, we believe this psalm was not written by Solomon. It was written for Solomon by David, but no big deal. So there, that, that's, this is the benediction that closes book two. So the Pentateuch of Psalms. Remember we had five books here. We just finished book two. Next time we start book three that is sometimes called the Leviticus book. And it focuses on the sanctuary in the broad sense of that term from Psalm 73 to 89. So your assignment is to begin to review those and focus especially on the from 73 to 79 or 80 or so and we'll see how far we get in the next session. Let's stand for a closing word of prayer. I've had an interesting experience with this psalm because I've studied the Bible for more than 50 years. 60 years, I guess. Um, and I'm certainly not an expert on the Psalms per se, but I have to tell you, I was, there's no, there's no um, thrill quite like the thrill of discovery and the realization that Christ's childhood years are in view here was astonishing to me. Um, I had never seen that before. I skim, you know, I'm guilty of skimming through, you know, looking for the highlights and not pausing to really digest what's there. And yet, clearly, clearly, as you begin to embrace some of those nuggets, one leads to another. And uh, I guess what I'm trying to get across is no matter how much you study your Bible, be prepared to be surprised. No matter how well you know your Bible, no matter how thoroughly you traffic in any particular book, it astonishes me to never fail to have some new little treasure emerge out of the text. And I think there's a lot of encouragement in that, a lot of lessons in that. And that's exactly what you'd expect from the Word of God. It's inexhaustible. You cannot exhaust it. There's always more. Let's bow our hearts. Father, we do stagger as we begin to apprehend the extremes that were required for our redemption. How often we've traveled through the Gospels and tried to understand and embrace the life of our Lord, overlooking those dark 30 years he endured, the stigma, the misunderstandings, the, the gossip, the epithets, as a child, 
growing up into manhood, he and his mother living with that cloud continually over them so that we might have clear title to be truly sons of God. Not by anything we've done, but entirely because of what he has done on our behalf. Father, we stagger as we try to consider what you've done. Father, we thank you as our Father that you must love us more than we can imagine to allow all this to have been done on our behalf. We thank you, Father. We realize we can't even begin to understand what it cost to have us acceptable in your presence. And Father, we would just pray that through your Holy Spirit and your word that you would continue to open to each of us your truth, your guidance, your word. We do pray, Father, that you would accomplish your purpose in each of our lives. Help us, Father, to see that path, that specific path you would have of each of us in the days that remain. Guide us, Father, as we establish our priorities, make our choices, make our decisions, that they would be done always with you in mind. Help us, Father, never to lose sight of who you are and what you've done for us as we commit ourselves this night into your hands without any reservation whatsoever. In the name of Yeshua, our Lord and Savior, our Redeemer, in whose name we do pray. Amen. You've been listening to 6640, the ministry outreach of Koinonia House and Koinonia Institute. Today's Bible teacher was Chuck Missler, teaching through the book of Psalms. For a complete listing of resources available, please visit khouse.org. Or you can call us on 1-800-KHOUSE-1. To learn more about Koinonia Institute, visit koinoniainstitute.org. Thank you for listening to 6640 and for your continued prayerful support of this ministry. Until next time, as we continue this series, may God bless you with the knowledge of His Son, Jesus Christ, as you study His Word. Amen.